Adam Pengilly, good morning to you. Morning, Jared. Morning, boys. Welcome back. Great to have you back on the airwaves. Thank you, buddy. Oh, and thanks for doing your part for the Big Sports Breakfast <laughs> too, the summer edition. Well, I did a few days, Laws. We had an enjoyable few days last week with Ryan Phelan and um, who else was in? Grubby Reynolds and Stewie Clark. So, yeah, it was good. I'm glad you guys had a, had a nice break. Hope you're feeling nice did and I relaxed. Did I see Rhino got engaged? He did. Congrats good on to him. him. Yeah, congrats, yeah, Rhino. Champion. Good on him. Got engaged to his lovely partner, Sarah, who's a him. champion as well. So, no, congratulations to yeah, him. But, I thought uh, I saw that the other day. And uh, some racing over the weekend, Adam. Don Corleone. So, this two-year-old picture, uh, we're going to get a... Certainly a better look at it this weekend when we see King's Gambit and Barber uh, running. But Don Corleone now joint second favourite at $9 for the Golden Slipper after its win in the first there at Ramwick on Saturday. Yeah, the picture's starting to become a little clearer, Jared, if you can put it in those terms. Um, he was a horse who trialled really well in the pre-season, Don Corleone, and obviously sent for a break. And I thought his trials leading to his first up start there on the weekend at Ram, he was a little bit flat, and I was willing to be against him there on the weekend. I thought he might have needed probably 1,200 metres, potentially 1,400 metres or more, but he was really dynamic down to James McDonald, so he's put himself right in the frame. A couple of horses in that race which were well-backed and had really trolled up nicely was Rockabilly Rebel. She was very disappointing for, for Rachel King, and the other one that I was quite hot on was Fleetwood for Godolph, and he copped a couple of little bumps, but unfortunately he was pretty disappointing too, so the money stayed in the bag with those two horses, but... Uh, yeah, turn nothing away from the Snowdens, as if they need another two-year-old contender for these big um, golden super features that was coming up soon. But they've got another one here in Don Corleone. What'd you make of Cuban Royale winning the Carrington Stakes? Yeah, great story, wasn't it, Lodge, for Robin and Lou Price. The horse has been probably a veteran of their stable for many years now. And geez, he's been racing in good form this preparation. He just needs to get on these dry tracks. And once he's on these dry tracks, he's got this wicked turn of foot. And I think it's probably fair to say it probably wasn't the most vintage Carrington Stakes we've seen there on the weekend. Only a smallish few and a few horses that probably sort of Batting around that benchmark 90 sort of open handicap level, but he stepped up to the mark there. Cuban Royale for Brock Ryan. It was a peach of a ride by Brock as well. He does a lot of work for the price table down there at Kembla Grange, and he's bided his time. And um, well done to Connections because I thought the horse deserved a big feature race win. He got one there on the weekend in the Carrington Stakes. Passagiata, this uh, flying filly, suffered her first defeat on the weekend. What do you make of it? Yeah, she was disappointing. I have to say that, Jared. She obviously came into that race with a couple of very smart wins, and she just does it. Just doesn't help herself, does she? Just goes a little bit too hard, and she ran a couple of really fast splits there in the early stages. I think she ran a ten six at one stage and a ten three. So when you go on that quick through the early and middle stages, you're not going to have too much left in the tank for later on in the in, when the uh, at the business end of the race. And so it was the case there. Lucky Variety um, gunned, it, gunned it down. And I think I read in the stewards report that Rachel King reported that Passage Yard was a lot quieter in the in the pre-parade and in the parade than what she had been the first two starts. So Bjorn Baker will take her home. I think he's already indicated he'll spell her and then try and get her right for some races. I'd imagine probably around the sort of winter and maybe sort of back end of the carnival, maybe a scone and Hawkesbury, something like that, heading up to Queensland. So... Yeah, another horse which was very well favoured there on the weekend at Ramwick got beaten. It was a tough day for the punters, I must admit. Could I ask you what your thoughts are on the, well, Racing Victoria hinting at the Cox Plate being moved to later in November? Yeah, to, we chatted to, a bit to about, November anyway. Yeah, we chatted about this last week uh, at length, Jared. And mm. I must admit, I'm, I'm not completely against the idea because I've always been a believer in saying that racing has a, probably a good two or three week window after the Melbourne Cup Carnival to really have some you know, prime real estate. Because Clarkie knows better than most. The international cricket calendar is very condensed these days. You don't really, I suppose, switch your attention to cricket until sort of start of December mm. when that first test rolls around. And that back end of November is a really dry and vacant space for, for the sporting landscape in Australia. Having said that, 
uh, it's going to be sticking out there like a sore thumb, isn't it, really? Like, you've you got the traditional lead-up to the Melbourne Cup. And, Gerard, I made this point on the program last week. The last two winners of the Melbourne Cup in Gold, Trip and Very Elegant have both used the Cox Plate as their final run before the Melbourne Cup. So what do those sort of horses do now? I, I don't know. I'm, I'm sort of a little bit up in the air. I can understand the arguments for. I can definitely understand the arguments against. Uh, very interesting to see how it plays out, I reckon. Have a great day, mate. See you, boys. We'll chat tomorrow.